Hello, my friends. Welcome to week 13 of season seven. It's the final week of the season. We're finishing up uh, our talk on the Eucharist and eschatology. I'll explain what that is. Uh, we'll be covering paragraphs 30 to 32 in Sacramentum Caritatis uh, from Pope Benedict XVI. You can find this apostolic exhortation online if you'd like to follow along. So let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to continue to learn and to grow in our faith. Help us to think about the end times when we come face to face with you. We thank you for the Eucharist to prepare us for that day. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what is eschatology? This is something that we study in the seminary, and it's the study of the final things. So normally we talk about uh, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And the Pope uh, talks about here also the resurrection of the body and purgatory can be included in those last things. And this is good timing to cover this topic because the last couple of weeks of ordinary time, and we're going to be going into Advent here, we're talking about the last things. We're talking about preparing ourselves to see God face to face. And there's really nothing more important if you think about it. I remember when I was in college thinking, you know, I was studying math and computer science. You know, I thought the world is all about these, these things. And it's not, you know, it's important to study math and science and English and literature and all those things, but they don't prepare us for heaven. Uh, God can use those things as, as a means, but we need to really focus on eschatology, the, the last things. So what does the Eucharist have to do with eschatology or our, our final destiny? Of course, the Eucharist is important on our journey to our final destiny in heaven. The Eucharist is this food for the journey, just as God gave uh, the Israelites manna in the desert as they went from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the Holy Land. Uh, the Lord has given us his own body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist from our journey from slavery to sin to freedom uh, in Christ in, in heaven. In John chapter 6, Jesus says four different times, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And so Remember, Jesus is the word of God, and when he says something, he means it. <laughs> and uh, here he's saying, this is life. The Eucharist is going to help you on this journey back to me. So what Jesus did on Calvary in his great sacrifice on the cross, those graces from Calvary are available to us in every Mass. The price, the redemption that Jesus paid for us on the cross uh, we receive that we can receive those graces if we open ourselves up to them at every mass. These help us on the journey to overcome sin and to live in the freedom of Christ, so as to be able to live with Him forever in heaven. So the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist is a foretaste of what we will experience perfectly in heaven. I was talking to somebody recently about the importance of celibacy of priest and religious living for Christ and Christ alone, because that's what we're all going to be doing in heaven. And so we need examples of that on earth to say, you know, I can live without a lot of these other things of the world because the Lord fulfills my deepest desire. 
and the best glimpse of, of heaven we're going to get in the Eucharist at Mass. So we're all sinners, and we know that the ways that we've betrayed Christ and others. And so through sin, our, our intellect can be darkened, and our wills can be weakened. But the graces that we receive in the Eucharist and reconciliation enlighten our minds, they strengthen our wills, and they heal our freedom. So we're able to choose more freely the virtuous thing, the good, the true, and the beautiful, rather than the sinful thing. And the Eucharist is what helps us do that. One of the, one of the graces, the Sacrament of Reconciliation, is another major uh, sacrament that allows us to start to live the way that, that Christ calls us to live, which in turn prepares us for eschatology, for those last things. So let's use a practical example today. Let's say somebody struggles with pornography. Confession and the Eucharist are two really important ways that, that help this person to recognize, okay, this is a place where I struggle. And I always say, uh, things change when I'm first aware of where I struggle. I ask for God's grace, and then I cooperate with God's grace. And so if I'm aware that I struggle with pornography, I go to confession, and there's real grace there given to me in that sacrament. And then I go to uh, Mass and receive the Eucharist, these powerful graces that God wants to give me to, again, to enlighten my, will, my mind, my intellect, to strengthen my will, to choose things that are not sinful. And so the next time that I am tempted, I have God's grace within me to say, I know I've been down that road before. I don't want to go there again. And so I'm going to choose to pray. I'm going to choose to reach out to maybe an accountability partner who can help me uh, not go down that same path again. Remember, sin always leads to misery and virtue leads to joy and to heaven, which is eschatology, those final things. So the Eucharist strengthens the Holy Spirit that, that's within us, that we received at our baptism, that was emboldened within us at our confirmation. And the Eucharist is this strength that we can receive on a daily basis if we so choose. And the more that we live in God's grace through these sacraments, the more selflessly we live our lives. We live our lives for God and for one another. Remember, greatest commandments, love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Paul Benedict reminds us that the Eucharist opens us up to our destiny, which is heaven. So during the consecration, pay attention to Mass uh, the next time we start to sing holy, 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 or you might recite it at daily Mass. Uh, this is from the book of Revelation, from this revelation that John received, that at Mass, the heavens open up, and we are singing with the angels and saints who are surrounding the throne of heaven, singing holy, holy, holy. We're participating in the heavenly banquet. And so we are as close to our loved ones who have gone back to God than ever before. And I know, you know, having lost both of my parents, at that moment of the consecration and the holy, holy, I always think of my, my parents and pray that they are in that choir of angels and saints worshiping God. And I'm, we, I and the congregation, we are with them in uh, the liturgy worshiping God. If you've never seen the, the video, A Veil Removed, it's a seven-minute video on the hidden realities of the Mass. I encourage you, you can Google it and watch it uh, after this video. 
Another great book on this topic is The Lamb's Supper by Scott Hahn. And so one of the best books I've, I've read on the Mass and what's actually going on at Mass. Returning to Pope Benedict in paragraph 30, he says this, and I quote, Even though we remain aliens and exiles in this world, that's from 1 Peter chapter 2, through faith we already share in the fullness of risen life, the Eucharistic banquet by disclosing its powerful eschatological, eschatological dimension comes to the aid of our freedom as we continue our journey. So remember, in this world, we are aliens and exiles, meaning this is not our home. And so through faith, when we experience the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, we get a glimpse of heaven, that eschatological dimension of the Eucharistic banquet, meaning it's pointing us to you know, our final destiny in heaven. And it makes us think about, you know, heaven and hell, those, those last things. And we receive real graces that help us on the way. And so it makes no sense to live as if there were no tomorrow. It makes no sense. So if, if we think about that, if, if I thought there was no heaven uh, after this earth, I certainly wouldn't be a priest. And I would be doing something else with my life, probably trying to get all the pleasure I could. But I am absolutely convinced with every fiber of my being that there, is, there are heaven and hell, that there are consequences to the way we live this life. And as scripture says, uh, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has ready for those who love him. People, you know, who have experienced death and, and come back to life, you know, most of them say, I don't want to come back because it was so beautiful. The next part of... Uh, of the eschatology in the Eucharist is the inauguration of the marriage feast of the Lamb. So what is that? So if we look at the history of Israel, there are 12 tribes of Israel uh, that were the 12 uh, children of, of Abraham. These 12 tribes got scattered to the ends of the earth and the people of Israel had been waiting for the Messiah to gather the tribes back together. So what did Jesus do as the Messiah? He's the one they've been praying for. He gathers 12 apostles, representative of those 12 tribes of Israel. And his goal is to gather all people, not just the 12 tribes, but the whole world back together in him. And so at the Last Supper, Jesus begins to fulfill this desire of the Israelites and in fact of the whole world, this gathering back together. I quote Pope Benedict again. He says, in the calling of the 12, which is to be understood in relation to the 12 tribes of Israel and in the command he gave them at the Last Supper before his redemptive passion on that first Good Friday to celebrate his memorial, Jesus showed that he wished to transfer to the entire community which he had founded the task of being within history the sign and instrument of the eschatological gathering that had its origin in him. I know that's a mouthful, but let's break it down. At the Last Supper, Jesus was establishing the priesthood and he was establishing and instituting the Holy Eucharist to be a sign and an instrument uh, for the world to gather them together in unity. Remember, the devil, diaboline means to scatter. Whenever you see scattering in your life, think this is not of God. Whenever you see gathering together, unifying, and the Eucharist is the greatest action of unification, um, God is at work, this eschatological dimension of bringing the tribes back together uh, for all time. 
So each time Mass is celebrated, all mankind is gathered together in the love of Christ and is offered to God the Father. And so you hear this in the Eucharistic prayer where it'll say something to the effect of, we're gathering uh, people of every race, language, and tongue back together. That is the eschatological dimension of the Eucharist. So listen to those words of, of consecration. And how often the words of consecration talk about gathering people, the unity of mankind, and then we offer them back to the Father. Jesus gave to his apostles and all priests of all time a special mission to share the Eucharist with the world. So the Israelites were the chosen people, as Pope Benedict says, and they're given a, a special place in this mission of, of sharing God's saving work. But now this mission has been entrusted to the whole world. They started with the Israelites and then he went to the Gentiles. Uh, all, the whole world is part of this, this mission. And each one of us, you and I, play an important part in this mission. Maybe you're not a priest and not able to celebrate the Eucharist, but in our participation of the Eucharist, we are all part of this gathering the nations back together into one and offering ourselves and God's community back to God the Father. Jesus says, I pray, he's praying to the Father, I pray just as you and I, Father, are one, I pray that we all are one together. And so Jesus is role is to gather everybody and then bring them back to the Father. Listen to that wording in the Eucharistic prayer. And then the final piece of this um, eschatology in the Eucharist, Pope Benedict discuss, uh, discusses offering masses for the dead. And I remember as someone who wasn't raised Catholic, I thought, why are we praying for the dead? Uh, if you've been raised Catholic, this is a normal practice. And so the Pope talks about this eschatological dimension of the Eucharist where we should be praying for the dead. So we should be thinking about those poor souls in purgatory who um, are preparing to see God face to face. This is not a, a discussion on purgatory, but a little background here. If we go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 27, it says, Nothing unclean shall enter the presence of God. And so when we die, we experience our particular judgment. We, we, we believe in a particular judgment and a final judgment. At our particular judgment, it's decided whether we're going to heaven or hell. Purgatory is just uh, a preparation for heaven. As scripture says, nothing unclean can enter the presence of God. So purgatory is that place, uh, not a place because we're outside of time and, and space, but it's this preparation, this purgation of any effects of sin so that we can see God face to face. My favorite analogy here is if you ever go to a matinee movie, let's say it's a really sunny day, 12 o'clock, you go to the movie. As you go into the darkened theater, your eyes become accustomed to the darkness. You watch the movie a couple hours, and then as you leave the theater, what happens? It hurts your eyes to open them fully because your eyes have been accustomed to the darkness. And it takes a while of, of preparation of of um, adjustment in order to open your eyes fully to see the sun, if you will. We're not looking directly at the sun. So the same is true in this life. We, we live in the darkness of sin and we become accustomed to that. There are effects of sin. Even if we go to confession, there's what we call the, the temporal uh, effects of sin, temporal punishment of sin. And the purgatory is that purgation of those effects 
and it allows us and prepares us to open our eyes to see God face to face. Again, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God is ready for those who love him. And if we were to go right from our death, from this darkened world to the presence of Christ, it would be painful, just like it is walking out of a matinee movie. And so purgatory is a good thing that is uh, preparing us for the glory of all eternity. And so Pope Benedict says, the most loving thing that we can do for the dead is to offer mass for them. Again, Jesus is outside of time. God is outside of time. The Eucharistic sacrifice is outside of time as well. And so at mass, we go back to Calvary. We're kneeling with Mary and Mary Magdalene and John at the foot of the cross. We're also gathered with the apostles around the table of the Last Supper. And so the effects and the graces of, of the Holy Eucharist can be applied to, to people of all time and, and all places. And so one of the beautiful things that we do at Mass is to offer the Mass for a particular intention. So the priest always has an intention, but I want to encourage each one of you as you go to Mass, offer your communion, the graces of your Holy Communion for specific intentions. You know, don't go to Mass saying, I want to, I want to be entertained by a good homily and great music. We all want that. But prepare yourselves by saying, I'm going to offer my communion today for my mother who passed away. Or I'm going to offer my communion for uh, my niece who's going through difficult times. Or I'm going to offer my communion for, you know, my son who's taking a, a big exam at college. Whatever it may be, you can offer your, your Mass and uh, ask God for the graces of the Eucharist to be applied to uh, anyone of all time and all places. And so when we pray for the dead, we express our hope for eternal life. That's that eschatological dimension that we will join them one day in heaven. So his conclusion to this part is eschatology, once again, is the study of our final destination, death, judgment, the resurrection of the body, which we talk about in our creed, purgatory, heaven, and hell. When we participate in Mass or go to adoration, we are strengthened for the journey. We express our hope for everlasting life. We keep our eyes fixed on the goal. We pray for the dead. Our hope and belief is that our bodies will rise again on the last day at the final judgment. Remember, when we die, that's our, our particular judgment. And when Christ returns again on the last day, that's the final judgment when our bodies will rise. Uh, Pay attention to the words that we say in the creed. And Pope Benedict, uh, in paragraph 32, he says this, I quote, The Eucharistic celebration in which we proclaim that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again, that's that final judgment, is a pledge of the future glory in which our bodies too will be glorified. Right from Pope Benedict. So, personally, uh, I've shared with you you know, my experience of praying for my parents, my grandparents, those who have died, I feel so close to them uh, at the consecration at Mass. And it also reminds me every time I celebrate Mass that this life is not the end. We are aliens and exiles. We are sojourners on this path. Let's not live this life as if this were the end. Let us prepare ourselves for eternity. Just like a baseball player would prepare for the World Series, the Hall of Fame. We as Christians, as followers of Christ, we prepare ourselves for 
our ultimate heavenly hall of fame, which is with God in heaven. May we keep our eyes on the prize, if you will, that glory with God in heaven. Our Lectio Divina this week comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. I'll, I'll read these and you can pray, the, pray with this personally and maybe also with your small group. So then you are no longer strangers and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens with the holy ones and members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus as the capstone. Through him, the whole structure is held together and grows into a temple sacred in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for calling us to follow you. We thank you for the gift of the Eucharist, uh, your very presence that accompanies us on this journey of life. Help us to remember that we are exiles, that we are sojourners in this world, and that our home is with you in heaven. Help us to keep our eyes on that, our, our final destination. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A few announcements as we finish up this Season 7 of Be Formed. Our final large group will be December 13th. It's Wednesday. It's the Feast of St. Lucy. We're going to have a beautiful adoration from 6 to 7. We're going to have the lights uh, dimmed and beautiful candles in the sanctuary as St. Lucy. Lucy means light. And uh, it'll be a, a wonderful uh, way to finish season seven. And then we'll have some refreshments afterward in the parish center. It will be live stream for those who would like to follow along that are out of town. Next season, season eight is on the Eucharist part two. We're working on the content for that uh, and hoping to bring in some of the content from the USCCB, the bishops on the Eucharistic revival. Registration begins January 2nd, and the season runs from Ash Wednesday, February 14th to May 13th, 2024. I encourage you to invite some friends to join. Uh, if we see this uh, apostolate growing, and that's what evangelization does. And saying that, we also are going to need more and more leaders of small groups. We like to call them facilitators. You don't have to be a, pro uh, you know, a professional on the topic. Uh, it's just being able to facilitate conversation in among the members of your group and, uh, you know, sharing, sharing faith with one another. So remember uh, what Beformed is all about. It's taking one step closer to Christ. So may Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. To you and to your families, buen camino, and God bless you.